0: Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast with Steve Gordon. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon. And in today's episode, we're talking with Brian Falchuk. And I'm really excited about this because of all of our guests, they're all unstoppable. But uh, but Brian is particularly so. And he's got some interesting things that we're going to talk about that will help you stay unstoppable. Brian's got a really interesting story. He went from being obese and depressed to running marathons, which um, I, I can't even imagine that transformation. I can't wait to hear more about how he did that um, because I'm not even starting from that place, and I can't even fathom how to uh, get to the point where I could run a marathon. But he's faced uh, nearly losing his wife to illness um, while their you know their young son was was there and and, and present and watching. He he uh, has just changed all kinds of things in his life, and and while doing that he has increased his education he's moved into a senior executive position in a very successful company and he's got a best-selling book he's a contributor to ink magazine i mean the list kind of goes on and on and he's got a particular philosophy about how to accomplish all of that and i'm excited for him to share that with you today so uh brian welcome to the unstoppable ceo podcast great to have you here
1: thank you so much for having me steve i'm really excited to be sharing with everyone
0: yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, you've got a really unique story. Um, we've talked to a lot of successful business people, but uh, out of all of them, I, I think you've got the most unique transformation. And and it's unique because you've transformed so many different parts of your life. Um, and, and, and I really want to dig into how you do that. But before we get into the meat of all of that, just to give everybody some context, uh, tell us how you got to this stage in your career and in your life.
1: Yeah, so there's... Um there's this mix of, of my personal and my professional that, you know, when you talk about I've transformed so many aspects or areas of my life, I actually don't see it that way. And I think that's the whole point of how I got here is to me, you can't separate out individual components of your life. You're either going to transform the whole thing, or you're going to end up wishing that you had because you keep falling back into the same old patterns. So that's how I've looked at it. And, um, you know, I've, I've pushed myself professionally and in my education, my whole life, but at my core, I was unhappy. You know, you, you called it out. I was obese, depressed. Um, you know, I just I had a lot of inner issues that I wasn't dealing with. And so, while I might achieve something in the short term, I still wasn't getting there in the long term, and I would keep falling back in. And it it took um it took a couple of major things. So one is you mentioned my wife's illness. 2011. Um, I was. Almost 33 years old, so you know we were still really early in our marriage. We had a two-year-old, um, you know, really just starting out on the family journey. And you know, spouses at some point you lose your spouse. One one of you is going to do it. One of you is going to lose your spouse. Uh, you just don't expect that when you're starting. You expect that you know you grow old together, and then you know often one goes first, and that's something you have to deal with. You don't expect that when you're in your early 30s. So I was facing something I never expected to face, um, and our amazing little boy was watching his mother go from being there 100% with him to being bedridden and wasting away and no one being able to help. And I just looked at myself. I was miserable. you know, Obviously not happy with what was going on in my family situation. I mean, who would be? And uh, I was really unhappy at work too. I was at a, a place that was becoming increasingly political and I'm just not cut that way. And so you know, my, my work life wasn't fulfilling and satisfying and enriching and my home life was really scary to put it bluntly. And actually the two were colliding because the sense of pressure on me that, you know, medical bills piling up, um, her doctors had given up on her. And so I was looking at the very real possibility. I mean, better than possibility, it was looking like a reality that I'm going to be a single father in short order. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's a wake up moment right there. And not only that, I'm, I'm the only earner in the family. Um, So, you know, how am I going to raise this little boy in a way that doesn't create lifelong issues for him that losing a parent at a really young age can absolutely do and support us and, you know, have to continue on in this job that I'm not having. Like, it's all these ands, really negative ands piling up. And there was this moment, uh, July, uh, sorry, June 30th, 2011, where it all just hit me. It became crystal clear as, This idea of who I am to this little boy and what I am and am not providing for him in terms of role model life support everything and I just found this clarity in my role as a father the pride the power of all that and um, that really solidified purpose for me in a way that I just hadn't had throughout the rest of my life so um, I woke up July 1st completely changed Because it was just all so clear and so powerful. And I started to put that power towards the purpose of some really specific goals tied to what I was unhappy about. So I didn't tackle any one thing. I started to remake my life from this platform of motivation and purpose. And I sort of went in two directions. One was the positive. So the goals that I was heading for, you know, that ultimately led me to doing a marathon that brought my weight back down, that, you know, all all the sort of health and wellness things led me down a different career path. Um, but then the backwards part was I did the self work that I couldn't face before because I I was too down and too depressed and too dark and crushed to face some stuff from my childhood. You know, I was the youngest of four in a divorcing family. I was the marriage saver and, uh, didn't work. So, you know, right off the bat, like I failed in my first role. Um, you know, I say that kind of jokingly, but the reality is like as a little kid, You're dealing with these emotions as your parents are splitting up, as there's a lot of fighting, there's uncertainty. Children just need to feel safe and secure. And I didn't. And I didn't know how to deal with that. So that's where the depression came from. That's why I started gaining weight, because I would turn to food, because I didn't, you know, how does a five-year-old cope with emotions like that? They don't. And my parents really couldn't be there for me because they had their own stuff. And so, you know, fast forward 20 years, 30 years, I still hadn't dealt with it. So of course, I'm still going to have these issues. So I I pointed towards some really specific goals. And I took the newfound motivation, direction and power and focused in within myself to try to unlock like, look, there's some stuff that's been going on that you've never faced. And you faked it till you make it. But that only goes on so long. Uh, And that's, that's where my transformation comes from. And that's why it's not about like, oh, I lost weight, or, you know, I got a better job, or I this or I that. Those are all discrete things. Those are sort of symptoms if you will of the underlying and it's dealing with that underlying that transforms my life and that's how I go about things today that's what I teach when I coach and mentor people and that's what I I talk about in my book and through my ink articles as well
0: you know it takes a lot of courage to be honest enough with yourself about what needs to change um and and to take that holistic approach yeah um you know it, it sounds like it was this kind of overnight thing. Like you went to bed one night and you woke up with this determination to make the change. Um, But I I imagine that there was a lot leading up to that. And then once you made the decision, probably a pretty long road ahead of you before you realized the the results of that. Can you talk a little bit about the process?
1: Sure. So the road ahead of me is my entire life and I'm great with that. And that can be too much for people. Um, but that's a point of excitement for me is I've got plenty more to tackle and I always will. And I actually am excited by that because I feel achievement now instead of feeling like, oh man, I got to deal with that now. It's, it's excitement about the next thing I get to tackle and it doesn't mean everything's easy.
0: Well, one thing with that, um, is that, you know, I, I see people take two kinds of mindsets with it. They look at it like, yeah, I've I've got this, you know, this whole list of problems I got to go fix. And, and it's all about, you know, fixing the negative problem. And, and I think to your point, the real challenge, the part of like why we're here on this planet is growth. And it doesn't Ah. stop when we turn 18 and leave, you know, leave home. It's, it's a lifelong process of growth. And I think that's really what you just described is that by embracing that idea and, and, and being excited about where what's my next stage of growth this look where i've come look how far i've come and everything i've come through what's next this is going to be cool yeah. that to me is a key mindset
1: yeah and i love that you called out the fixer bit cuz that's I, I am a fixer like I, i'm a strategy consultant originally before i got into uh into the the corporate side and so look my whole career was based on saying what's wrong and fixing it and a lot of people have that. You know, we come in to fix problems. You take over from someone and you make things better. Um, you're paid to spot what's wrong and to turn it around. You're not paid to dream. You're not paid to, you know, just come up with a whole new way of doing things. You may stumble upon that anyway, but most of us are rewarded for finding the problem and rooting it out. And that's, that's great. And you can have a lot of success in that, but it does train your mind to work a certain way it trains you to be really critical and really negative. And how do you, and maybe that's why, you know, part of why I was feeling so down in my life was like my whole career while I was successful was very much like, oh, this is wrong. You know, it's all the bad. Instead of looking at his opportunity and, you know, you said I'm, I'm a senior executive in a successful business. The reason why I'd call it successful is, yes, we have things that we need to fix, but we have so much opportunity in front of us, and that's where we're focused. We fix stuff along the way, but it's much more about seizing opportunity. We're in an industry that grows about one percent a year. Um, we're growing twenty-five to thirty-five percent, and profitably, uh, that's more awesome. profitable than most of our competitors. So that's Thank you. But it's it's that mindset shift. So we look at it as opportunity, and you know, there's a place for fixing, but uh, I'm just much more interested in the opportunity of it.
0: Yeah, I, you know that may be the the key point of our conversation. We'll see where we go from here, but um, but uh, having that that focus, uh, I think is is huge. You know, we talk with business owners all the time who are stressed because they feel like they got this whole basket full of problems, and you know, and it's it. Sometimes it takes an outsider to look at it and say, no, really, "Yeah, you got these problems," but do uh, you also see all the opportunity that's, that's sitting here right in front of you? And if you're yeah. focusing on the problems, you could go grab those opportunities. And, and that, in and of itself, gets you moving forward and, uh, and the problems become smaller. But it's when you sit there and dwell on the problems that, that you can't move.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that defines a lot of my response to the challenges in life. So I had been about 100 pounds overweight initially as a kid. I lost weight. I gained a lot of it back. I never looked obese again I always just say I looked American like no one would look at me and think twice whereas as a kid people were like oh there's the fat kid Um, when I lost weight the second time it wasn't about I'm fat and I need to be not fat that's a very negative and fixed way of framing it is I don't feel good about my physical situation how I feel how I move like all of it set that aside and more this is who I want to be physically And so I had a place I was trying to get to, and it wasn't about, I mean, I did have a weight goal and all that, but it was more about a a framing of myself in a different light as someone who was in shape, active, felt good, uplifted. And I started to use words like I'm an athlete, which felt so uncomfortable at the time. But actually, as I started to accept that more and more, I started to feel more empowered. Like, you know, you said about the marathon, I had a friend about a year before I decided to do it, who was like, yeah, I've got a marathon in me before I hit 40. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Like never in a million years, I have no interest in that. And, um, as I allowed the framing to change in my mind, as I allowed for the idea that I'm a runner, like I hated running my whole life. And I only got into it in 2012, um, little by little. And, you know, I run a couple miles at a time and I enjoyed it, but I still never really saw myself as a runner. I was like, I'm an elliptical user who happens to run every now and then. But as I allowed for the idea of being a runner to set in and being an athlete, suddenly it was like, could I do a marathon? Yeah, I think I could. It's going to take a lot of work and it's going to take dedication and training, but I've got that. Like, I know how to make that happen because I've been doing it everywhere else. Why can't I allow that to exist in the running side? And once I looked at it that way, I never had the sense of impossibility around the marathon where it was just such an absurdity before. And that's kind of the way things go for me in general, whether it's, you know, getting a new job or some physical thing, you know, like I, I do road cycling as well. I picked it up, um, in the summer of, I don't even remember, I think 2013. So like July, I got a, a, my first road bike and I did my first century ride. So hundred miles in September, I'd never ridden more than 25 miles before. And I was in the lead group the whole time. So like, You know, this idea that, oh, you can't do that. That's too far. Well, then guess what? You'll never do it. But if you allow for the possibility, you might shock yourself. And the truth is, you have nothing to lose. So it's like I was telling someone the other day about my book. Um, You know, I was like, what's my dream for it is to be on stage doing a TED Talk, sitting across the couch from Oprah in the middle of the woods talking about my philosophy with her. (laughs) And, And yeah, you know, people will laugh at it. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm not sitting on a couch with Oprah right now. So what do I have to lose by saying that? So if it doesn't happen, big deal. It's not happening right now. But if I don't say it, if I don't take the steps to at least try, it definitely won't happen. So it's it's just flipping it. It's not problem solving. It's opportunity identifying and it just allowing for the opportunity to have. And it's not a TED talk, but I have a TEDx talk booked. That's a step. You know, it's, it's like one, one thing after the next when you just allow for possibilities and you focus yourself on that.
0: Yeah, you know, I find that, that so many people – will, they'll, they'll already kind of discount themselves right from the start. They won't even allow that idea though. that's, that's just not me. And they may want to do it. They may have that thought, oh gosh, wouldn't that be cool? Or that guy's so privileged because, you know, he's there or she's there, but they don't understand often that it takes that first thought. And, you know, as I'm listening to you, the, to me, the real differentiator here is Am I going to spend my life running from or running to?
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: And, uh, you know, listening to all the different things that, that you said, because, you know, for somebody listening to this, it might not be that they need to run a marathon or that they want to. That, that may not be the thing. Yeah. But in everything that you're describing, that's the, to me, that's the theme that I hear is like, I, at some point, you flipped it in your head and, you stopped saying, these are all the things that I don't like. And how do I eliminate the things I don't like? You just started saying, forget all those things. Here's what I want. And I'm going to yeah. go do what I want.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we don't even know ourselves. And that's the reality of it. So there's there's one fundamental piece that was missing from my life that when I coach people, 100% of the people I coach is the same problem. And it starts with, before you even get to the motivation, it's about self-compassion, self-love, and that can sound as hippie as you want it to sound, but that's that's the God's honest truth, and that's the the fixer mentality. Is what's wrong with you? It's like, can you just allow for a moment that you're not? There's nothing wrong with you. That you are actually okay. That you actually like allow yourself to be good. You know, people are. Oh, I could never do that. It's like you've just defined yourself as incapable, or I'm a depressed person, or I'm dysfunctional, or I'm not good at that. Or you yell at your kid and I'm a bad parent. Are you a bad parent? Or did you just make a choice in the moment that you're now regretting? If you frame it as you're a bad parent, you're going to keep making bad choices. If you frame it as, wow, I blew up on my kid because I had a bad day and it's not their fault. And I wish I had responded differently to the situation. Or I could have shared my disappointment with them without screaming and yelling and calling them names. Then guess what happens the next time? Because you've allowed for the idea that maybe you're not a terrible person, hey, maybe you're even a good person, you can respond differently. So it's just it's it's framing yourself. I was just talking to someone the other day who she's like, I've never achieved anything and she's stuck trying to find a new job. She's been out of work for a while, and she sees herself as a total failure across her entire life, literally. And she's like, Well, I've never done anything. I was like, Really? You've never done anything? It's like you have a college degree. Yeah, but I was like, Not but how did you do in school? I did really well. My GPA was like a three, eight or something like, wait, okay, you've done something. You achieved something. You were at a good school and you performed really well. Why doesn't that matter? Well, it was this long ago or it was this, or I was like, yeah, but before you disclaim it, just pause for a moment. You got into a good school and you did well there. Period. End of discussion. Do people like you? Yeah. I have a lot of friends, Okay, do people come to you for support when they're having a tough time? Yeah, all the time. So what you're telling me is people like you, they respect you, they seek you out because they know that you're a good, caring, supporting person. Is that a bad thing? No, that's a really good thing. But it does, Don't give me that. It doesn't matter. It matters. Just allow for a moment that you're actually a good person. It takes that reframing of yourself, not as all these problems that need fixing, but as actually potentiality. The idea that you can be good enough and it sounds so hokey and it's like, you know, Stuart Smalley from, uh, from SNL <laughs> right. like staring in the mirror like I'm good enough. Yeah, you can laugh at it, but there's a very strong reality to that. And the truth is our brains are actually not that smart. We can trick them. They don't know the difference between dream states and being awake. So that self-talk becomes really, really powerful. And the more you talk to yourself in this allowing sort of way, you start to create possibility to then start attacking those goals.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in the idea that there really is no reality, that we create our reality. I mean, yeah, the desk is real, the is real, you know, the internet that we're talking through is probably real. I think Al Gore invented it. But, you know, so much of what we believe is real is just a story we tell ourselves.
1: Yeah, just so, interpretation.
0: Yeah, it's and that's exactly it. It's all interpretation. So things happen and then we attach... Some meaning or value or judgment to it. And, and that's made up in our heads completely. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's, it's really difficult though sometimes to separate from, from that. In fact, looking back, you can't see it in the frame on the video, but I've got four quotes on my wall. And one of them that I look at the most often because it's, it's the, I think the most difficult one to live through is, um, by three methods, may we learn wisdom first by reflection, which is a Confucius saying. Yeah. And I don't think we do enough reflection in, in this society. I find it, even though I'm very aware of it, I find it very difficult to do uh, because it requires that you kind of turn things off and be still and just kind of allow yourself to re-experience the, you know, the, the events of the day and, and do it from a distance Mm -hmm. And and then at that point, interpret or just allow or just allow yourself to observe them if you can, um, which I find is very difficult to do. Um, I think these are all really, really important things. Um, But I want to take just a quick second here to pause. We're going to be right back with more from Brian. And Brian, I want to get into your book, uh, because I know in the book that there are some um, really key strategies that people can put into place. And so we'll be right back with more from Brian. Thanks so much. Now back to the interview. All right. Welcome back to the Unstumpable CEO podcast. We're here with, uh, I tell you, this is one of our best in interviews. We're here with Brian Falchek, and and Brian has been sharing his transformation. And, and as he's described it, it's not just a transformation in one or two areas of his life, but of his entire life, business and personal and health and every other way. And so um, Brian I, I know you you wrote a book and in that book you've got kind of the uh, your approach to, to how to make that transformation happen and I'd love to get into to some specifics so people can take what we've talked about so far and begin to put it into practice in their own lives
1: Yeah. so the book uh, teaches this philosophy that I've been working with myself and with people that I coach and it's called do a day and it's essentially about let go of the past The mistakes, the judgment, the experiences, don't fear the future. So all the things that are yet to come, guess what? They're not happening right now. So focusing on them doesn't do you any good at the moment. And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to achieve something right here, right now. Uh, So you free yourself of that, the anxiety, the judgment, the fear, the pulling your attention away from what you have to achieve in the moment. And then make your choices right here, right now in pursuit of your goals. So it starts with, you know, a lot of what we talked about in the first part of the show around the self-love, finding your true motivation and and I work through that with people in the book. Um I ask a number of introspective questions. I can't give you the answer and it's not a workbook, you know, people are like, "So what's the equation?" It's not answer question A, question B, add them together and then that's your mission statement. It's like, look, I can probe and I can push. You got to go off and do the work. So my book's not very long. It's about 135 pages. That's the point. Don't spend time reading my book. You'll get through it quickly. Go off and spend the time doing the self-work. So I I ask these questions. And the simple one that if I had to boil it down, it's what will you always care about no matter what? And when you answer it, you probably haven't really answered it. So ask yourself why. So, you know, it's like, you know, my, my reason for working is because I need to be the breadwinner at home why do you need to be the breadwinner at home? Well, because you'll know you you'll go through this series of deeper answers until you get down to the core and it probably isn't what you thought it was when you made that first answer. So really getting tough and introspective with yourself. That's that's my role as a coach really is to, to be that annoying, nagging why asker um, just to keep pushing people to be more honest with themselves. So you find that motivation and then you define the goals that tie to the things in your life that you seek to be better in. And going back to what we were saying before, it's not where you've been a failure. It's where you want to achieve. So it's not, I'm fat. I don't want to be fat. I am got fired. I don't want to get fired. Like, how does not wanting to get fired get you to a good job? I promise you, if you put that down in your cover letter, like, I'm applying for this job because I don't want to be fired. You're probably not going to get an interview. Just, you know, that, that's my guess there. So, you know, for me, it was some physical stuff. It was about recognizing that I'm in a job situation that ultimately is not where I want to be, so understanding what I do want to be in and how do I get myself there. It was the self-work that I need to do on the emotional side to unpack the things from my childhood that I know were defining a lot of the today in me, Um, and then just generally trying to be a better support to my wife, who I don't think we mentioned this, she is still alive. Um, not not to spoil it, but that's kind of an important fact. Like we are still a family of three, really crucial, and that's because our lives have changed dramatically for the better through what she went through. Um, but you know, I I set these big goals. So the, the weight goal, I had gotten up to two twenty two. I'm about one eighty now, so I was you know roughly forty five pounds overweight, not a hundred anymore, but um, you know almost halfway back to where I had been. So I set a really specific goal of by this day I want to be. It was uh, it was the summer. So I said, by the end of the year, I want to get down to 185. I think that's a fair goal. You know, I plotted it out. So I knew roughly what it meant per week. And because I felt this invigoration when I went to work out, I didn't just get on, you know, the elliptical or whatever machine, set the timer and, you know, open a magazine or turn on a a show or something. And next thing I know, the thing's beeping because it's over and maybe I've sweat, maybe I haven't. Um, I went in with purpose you know I chose an interval program and I really when the interval hit I really pushed myself um, and I found it it's it's self-reinforcing so the better I did the better I did each success led to another success because all of a sudden I was looking at myself in terms of possibilities and I saw them shaping up and that's really exciting but each day I didn't look at I still have 43 pounds to lose or whatever I looked at today I'm going to work out, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. Not, I'm going to work out every day for the rest of my life. Oh my God, that's a lot of days. And that's a lot of weight that I have to lose or keep off. Like that's the future piece of it. It's really crushing. I'm a vegan and I did it in one day. And that's that's actually the time when Do A Day got its name. Was I was reading a book by this vegan, um, I'd done others and, and just never really got inspired enough to give it a try because I was so focused on well, what about my son's birthday and he'll want me to have cake with him or... This business trip and everyone's going to, you know, Ruth's Chris and I don't, I'm not going to be able to eat anything. What do I do then? Or I'm, you know, driving across Indiana and the only things I can eat are at gas stations and I'm pretty sure they don't have, you know, lots of fresh vegan options. But it hit me as like, I'm reading this book. I'm like, wait, I'm not going on a business trip. It's not my son's birthday. I don't have a work dinner. Like none of those things is happening tomorrow. This is at night. So like tomorrow morning, none of that's going to happen. So why don't I just try it for a day? And I literally said out loud, I can do a day. So I released all of that future anxiety. And I went for it and I found it's way easier than I thought it was. All that fear and like the future issues that I had foreseen that weren't happening. Those what were keeping me from doing it. So when I released that, I was able to actually go for it and found it was easy. And there are times where I've not been vegan. So I'm not 100% vegan 100% of the time. So like we went to Disney World the character breakfast, and you know what? I had waffles with ears on them.
0: Yeah. Good luck. So good vegan. luck being vegan there, right? Yeah. Well, we actually, you know what?
1: I wasn't planning on it. Um, I was vegan every day except that day because they—they are. If you want them to, they're really good at accommodating alternative diets. And because my wife's on a really restricted diet, we we had to do that anyway. So shockingly, it was super simple for us. Uh, for me, I'm the only vegan in the family. But what I didn't do is say, oh, man, I just had that waffle. Well, that's it. I'm done. I've ruined everything. I made a bad decision, and now it's over. And you hear this with people who are on a diet, and they're like, oh, you know, we went out to the bar last night after work because Jimmy's retiring and had a beer and three nachos and a buffalo wing, and I destroyed everything and all the weight I loss is out the window. So I went home crying, and I ate a pizza and two cheesecakes and drank a bottle of Coke. Well, like, yeah, then you did do some damage. At the bar, not so much. So instead of beating yourself up and saying, Well, I've ruined everything, put it in context, understand why you made that choice. Maybe it wasn't for a bad reason. Maybe there was a different, like an emotional reason for it or a social reason for it. Or, a, you know what? Like, this is the situation I was in. I made a decision I wish I hadn't made looking back on it, but I understand that. I'm going to put it where it is and I'm going to grow from it. You don't have to throw everything away because of the past.
0: Well, and, and I think some of that comes from uh, the just a habit that we seem to have gotten into um, and, and maybe it's worldwide, maybe it's, you know, just in, in Western culture in the U S but we like to label things. We like to say, Hey, I'm a vegan. So if I I am a vegan and then I do s- I, some behavior that is not congruent with that label that we've attached to ourselves, we've now, we, what we did is we created this really difficult to live in black and white world where yeah. there, there's right. And there's, Wrong, and it's a series of absolutes, when in reality, life is really
1: gray. Yeah, and everything's a spectrum.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are reasons that you might make a decision to do something that make total sense and are in total alignment with overall where you're going, not where this one little tiny label for this part of your life might place you. And so I think it's important to understand that. And I appreciate you sharing that that experience, that side of it, because... Uh, we all go through that, and, and yeah. personally, business. I mean, to me, I see, particularly for for um, entrepreneurs or anybody that's working in a high level in a business, the the two parts of of that life get so closely intertwined because of what you're asked to do in those roles, that that you know you've got to you got to maintain some flexibility and some perspective on this is a, a total package here and and I'm optimizing for the total equation not for this one little line.
1: Yep. Yeah, very true.
0: So, you know, you you've you've kind of taken this philosophy and you've outlined it in your book and I want to make sure we tell people where they can get a hold of the book um, and uh, and where they can find more about you. So, you've written actually a whole bunch of articles on on ink.com. I was going through them yesterday. I hadn't realized this but uh, Apparently, I've been following you for a long time because I've read a bunch right. of your articles. In fact, I have your Warren Buffett uh, article um, on calmness printed and and uh, sitting on my desk. So, cool. Um,
1: I'm I'm waiting for him to reach out and be like, "I'm not a Buddhist. Why'd you say that?" Let's we'll see. <laughs> Probably not going to happen.
0: Yeah. Well, great article though. Uh, definitely worth a read. And uh, and so you've got some great stuff up there. So um, I guess first where can people find where's the best place for them to go find more about what you're doing and and this philosophy that you've developed
1: yeah so the the book's called do a day and it's a book so if you go to doadaybook.com try to keep it as easy to remember as possible um doadaybook.com i've got everything there so you can find all the social media links uh links to ink magazine i mean you can go to ink magazine and, and find me there um my name's a lot of fun to spell so it's probably easier if you just go to Do A Day Book and, and link off of there. Um, the book's everywhere. So you can get it at Do A Day Book. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's on Kindle and Nook and Google Play and iBooks. Like it's ever, it's on Audible. Um, so it, it, it's out there. It's super easy to find. And it's not expensive and it's not long. So the point in writing the book was not to sell a ton of books and make a ton of money. It's just I love what I do with coaching. I love what I do helping people change their lives, and I can't help everybody, even if I did this twenty four seven. So I put the book out to spread the message. However, people want to get it, it makes me happy, and that's the ink articles are all inspired by the book. So you, you know you can get a feel for it that way too. Um, and for your listeners, uh, you know, want to extend a, a discount on the paperback. The eBooks are still cheaper, but a lot of people like having that physical book. So you know, I try to help out with that. So four bucks off. Just go to doadaybok.com slash unstoppable CEO discount and you can get the, the code to buy the book at four bucks off.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for doing that. I really appreciate it. That's no, my pleasure. We'll link to uh to that discount page um so that everybody listening can go take advantage of that. We'll put that in the show notes. So um, you'll be able to find that uh, up on our site and in the show notes for iTunes. Um, and that's doadaybook.com forward slash unstoppable CEO discount. That's that's really generous. I appreciate you doing that.
1: Yeah, happy to.
0: So Brian, this has been fantastic. I, we could probably go all day um, on these topics. And uh, unfortunately, at some point, people would stop listening because we'd be going on and on. But I, I really appreciate you taking the time today to share your philosophy. It. Uh, I think the things that you shared with us today are are uh, really important, and uh, and and I'm glad that you took the time out to to spend it with us, to invest it with us. This has been fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. I'd love to come back. I'm, I've just started work on my next book that I think would also be really interesting. Hoping to have that out in the summer. We'll see. But uh, you know, at least for that, it'd be great to come back and, yeah, and share definitely. with you guys again.
0: Yeah, do that uh, when you're ready to to launch that. Come back and and uh, we'll have another conversation about. Uh, about the next evolution of of your thinking on this stuff.
1: That's great. Thanks, Steve.
0: Awesome, Brian. Thanks. And uh, great great to have you on. We'll talk
1: soon. Sounds good.
0: Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.